In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. And welcome back to another week in the Catholic Toolbox, The Art of Practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh, here as we keep you with practical solutions to live your Catholic faith in our modern world of today. We're joined this week by me. You're just with me in the house, George Manasseh. I'm your only one this week. So we're going to really dig deep into a topic this week. You just have me in the house. <laughs> Aren't everybody lucky? Uh, so we're going to dig deep into a topic called the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Something which is the source and summit of our faith, the Holy Mass. And we're going to go right into the topic now because we have a lot to discuss. So really, fasten your seatbelts. You're going to be on a journey with me, your host and founder, George Manasseh, to discuss what we call the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The Holy Mass in a little bit of depth from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And we're going to be speaking about three practical tools of mine on how to actually appreciate the Mass and grow in in, in the theology of the Mass, in your spiritual life, in your day-to-day -day life. So, fasten your seatbelts. You're here for the journey. Now, let's open with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, divine creator, true source of light, and fountain of wisdom. Pour forth your brilliance upon my dense intellect, despite the darkness which covers me, that of sin and ignorance. Grant me a penetrating mind to understand and retentive memory method and ease in learning, the lucidity to comprehend and abundant grace in expressing myself. Guide the beginning of my work, direct its progress, and bring it to successful completion. This I ask through Jesus Christ, true God and true man, living and reigning with you and the Father forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a beautiful prayer from St. Tom's Aquinas for a student, a student's prayer. So, let's, uh, let's go into it. For those who don't know about the Catholic Toolbox, I just want to explain a little bit about the Catholic Toolbox. Sometimes we have a lot of new listeners here on the show, and it's good that we can really step back and actually look at the journey of the Catholic Toolbox show. Let's speak, about, uh, let's speak a little bit about the show. So, what is God... What, what is... Um, what is important in our day-to-day -day life today is that we can take action with our faith. So the Catholic Toolbox was founded when uh, I work in the construction sector. We have what's called toolbox meetings. And in that toolbox meeting, uh, you have managers, project managers, engineers, everybody there who is in that meeting. It's a very practical meeting about how to strategize, how to get things done, how to execute an actual project. Take it from paper 
and really take it off the concept, take it out of its concept and bring it to completion right before our eyes. Now in that meeting I dozed off. Uh, my mind was there and I thought about, look, imagine we can have something of this kind for the church where we can sit down and talk about an actual strategy and become a bit more practical in our spirituality, in our theology, in our pastoral approach, in every aspect or any agenda of the Catholic faith. So that's where the Catholic Toolbox Show was born. The Catholic Toolbox Show was born out of that real sort of, I don't like to call it a mystical experience, but an experience which really woke me up to, to, to what the church actually needs there. A lot of people are very hungry for practical solutions. Often they hear homilies, talks, even radio shows sometimes, or television shows or programs, which, which, which have great concepts, but the moment they finish up with whatever it is, it, um, it really, they're left with nothing to take away. They can't really take much away from it because if we actually think about it, that speaking conceptually and studying a lot of theology of the faith or spirituality, that cannot really fulfill us in what we actually need to do to live our faith. We need to take action today. We need to be effective Catholics in the real world. If we're going to take back our culture, if we're going to take back society, if we're going to take back our uh, every facet of society and we want to bring people to the faith and save souls we need to be effective a little bit more practical a little bit more strategic not just stay at the the forefront and, and speak about what the faith is but actually come up with practical solutions so here on the catholic toolbox show what we do is we reflect each week on an aspect of the catholic faith with a guest and very rarely sometimes with myself here and we then move quickly with that aspect and speak about three practical solutions about what we can do to take action, about really what we can do to, 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 to take, let's say if it's, if it's your prayer life or it's evangelization in the workplace, what can we do to practically implement it? So we talk about Catholic operations, basically. Let's take action because that's the harder part. It's great to study and learn about the Catholic faith, really hear about it. But to take action is something different. So that's a bit of the story of the Catholic Toolbox Show. So welcome aboard for those who are newcomers and new listeners, especially through the podcast. You can access the Catholic Toolbox Show on www.thecatholictoolboxshow.com or you can visit us on any Facebook page on The Catholic Toolbox or you can visit Perusia Media. You can visit The Voice of Charity Australia, which is the radio station here. Or you can go to TV Maria and find us. We air in the Philippines on a television called TV Maria. We air in the Philippines there. And also you can access the Catholic Toolbox and wherever you get your podcasts. So simply go to your podcast and type in The Catholic Toolbox and you'll find us. Subscribe and follow us. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram as well. So go find us on The Catholic Toolbox Show and also The Catholic Toolbox on Facebook. So you can find us there. And don't forget, follow our YouTube channel as well. We're everywhere now. Now, let's really go in to the topic today, which is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Now, before we go into it, I really want to discuss 
what inspired me to really speak about this is because reflecting back on last year, it was only a year ago that we were deprived of going to mass more readily. And people in in India at the moment, we pray for our Indian brothers and sisters, and people in the United States and different parts of Europe are actually at the moment still experiencing this, where masses are suppressed, and uh, we, we really have to be conscious about that. So what is God trying to teach us by isolating us from the mass during the pandemic? I believe God possibly, this is just my personal belief, is trying to purge and purify us by not as non-mass attending Catholics, because you know, really 10 to 12 percent of Catholics in Australia attend mass on Sunday. Now, if you're a practicing Catholic, surely you attend mass. That's the piece of data we know for sure. If you're a practicing Catholic, you're at mass every Sunday, minimum. You know, a lot of practicing Catholics go to mass more than once a week uh, on Sunday beyond the obligation. So it really put us as practicing Catholics and non-practicing Catholics at the same level. We were humbled that we couldn't have the Mass. We, we can't access it. And really, this gave growth to the domestic church a little bit last year for us here in Australia. The domestic church really grew that, you know, we, we had to forge our spiritual life it's as if we became the Jews uh, exiled in Babylon with no temple. We couldn't offer the sacrifice. We couldn't be there. Our lives began to revolve around the liturgy of the hours, the divine office, the rosary, scripture reading. And, you know, you know the, the simple fact is the virtual is not the same. There are graces received, but attending Masra's screen is not the same, unfortunately. So really... In that situation, it helped us sort of cling to other devotions. And uh, it, it really, I think, woke a lot of people up who didn't go to Mass. Who did not go to Mass. And brought them to a bit of an awakening. And those who do go to Mass regularly on Sundays and do practice faith, perhaps we became a little bit lazier. So we might want to re-examine our consciousness and, and the effects that COVID-19 had during that time. So that, that's something really, I think, at the present moment, I always bring that to people's attentions. So why the fuss over the Mass? I think the key is in anything in life is to know your why. Why are you there? You know, we all know why we go to the footy games. We all know why we go to to air, to entertainment, to parties, uh we, we all know our why. You know, we, we, we know where we are and why we want to be there, why we want to be at restaurants, why we want to be dining out, why we want to be having fun. But if we don't know the why of why we are going to Mass, then there is no purpose. You know, our, our, intention, our intention is empty, basically. So let's know our why. Let's look a little bit about what the saints had to say about the Mass. And let's see why there's this big fuss about it. So the people, the saints, people who actually reached heaven, have, have reached the goal of the Catholic faith, which is to get to heaven. I had uh, a few people come up to me and say, Oh, George, um, look, uh, the Mass, uh, look, uh, you talk about, you know, the salvation of souls. The church isn't just about the salvation of souls. It isn't. Well, we do other things. I said, yeah, but really, at the end of the day, 
if I'm not going, if I'm here as, as somebody that's practicing my faith, living a moral life, resisting temptation, resisting sin for all my life, and waking up every day and fighting a spiritual battle, and the purpose and goal of that intrinsically, first-handedly, is not to get to heaven, then I don't know why we're Catholic. Now, I think it really explains no wonder people have left the Catholic faith. If Catholicism is just about social justice, you know, um, doing a few good deeds for the poor, then anyone can really do that. If we're not special as Catholics, if we do not possess the truth, then I guess we shouldn't be shocked why so many young people are leaving the Catholic faith. So again, I told those people, I'm sorry, the, the actual goal of our Catholic faith is to get to heaven at the end of our lives. So the people who have now reached heaven have left us with some wisdom about the Mass. And that is, let me quote St. Padre Pio. St. Padre Pio says, It would be easier for the world to live without the Son than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Wow, easier without the Son than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. That's amazing. St. Thomas Aquinas, Doctoros Angelos himself, says, and I quote, The celebration of of Holy Mass is as valuable as the death of Jesus on the cross. Wow. The death of Jesus on the cross. St. John Chrysostom, Patriarch of Constantinople, said this, and I quote, When Mass is being celebrated, the sanctuary is filled with countless angels who adore the divine victim immolated on the altar. Close quote. I mean, this is some serious stuff. I mean, people are taking the Mass very seriously. It's not just a simple service. Or just sitting in a pew for an hour while we have some singing, reading. and It's, it's actually very serious what the Mass is. Let's continue. St. Jose Maria Escrivá himself says, A man who fails to love the Mass fails to love Christ. These are the saints. Now let's look uh, to understand the New Testament where the Mass came from. Let's look at the Old Testament to start as our prerequisite. And I quote, It is true, the Holy Sacrifice and Mass is the memorial of Christ's sacrifice on Calvary. But as a memorial, ceremony normally involves the remembrance of someone who is dead. The Mass is altogether unique because Jesus is alive. Indeed, Christ is risen and glorified. Jesus is the true priest who celebrates every Mass. When you go to Mass, you are going to the liturgical gathering to pray with Jesus and to join with Jesus to offer the Eternal Father Jesus' infinite sacrifice. It is therefore an awesome privilege to attend Mass and to make this offering to the Father with our High Priest Jesus and to offer yourself to the Father in you with Jesus. In Holy Mass, the sacrifice of Calvary is made present to us in a sacramental manner through the ongoing the ongoing, sorry, we lost that there. Sorry, the ongoing priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. Close quote. That's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1362 to 1368. So I think it defines very clearly that the Mass is a sacrifice. So Jesus Christ, we've, always, we've heard a million times, died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He offered the sacrifice on the cross on Calvary. It's a literal historical event. And that event wiped away our sins, thereby fulfilling the Old Testament sacrifices, 
which were carried out in the temple by the Old Testament priesthood, by the high priest who once a year entered the sanctuary, offered the sacrifice of rams, bulls, and the foundation of that was at Mount Sinai, when uh, Moses, when, when a, a, a sort of the tent, a, a tent was built, and and the the development of the temple began, as the Israelites fled out of Egypt, and finally it came to its full fruition, in a physical structure which acted as the as as the connection between the divine and the earthly. So Jesus Christ nullified the sacrifices of the Old Testament the rams, bulls, whatever is offered by the high priest, by the Levites, by those carrying out the temple services was nullified. His sacrifice as God, because sin itself is an offense against God, right? So you And, and the price is an infinite price. We can't as human beings pay an infinite price. If we break something of a value of $500, you've got to pay $500. If we sin, which is an infinite offense against God, we can't pay for that. We can't afford that. We can't even borrow that from the bank because it's infinite. So God himself, who is infinite, became flesh and paid our debt through Jesus Christ. And that sacrifice on Calvary is represented, that 2,000-year-old sacrifice 2,000 years ago at the cross is brought physically, cosmologically, ontologically, literally at each Mass every time the priest raises the host. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is what the Mass is. You are participating in the sacrifice that was there 2,000 years ago. Imagine being at the cross. You are actually there. In a literal sense, it is his body. It is that in that historical context where our Lord was offered, uh, elevated on the cross through the priestly elevation. Obviously, the accidents themselves don't look like 2,000 years ago, but it is that literal 2,000-year-old event there at Mass. And, we, and we're not there alone on earth. All of heaven, all the saints, all the angels, all those in purgatory, the church, what we call the church militant, in, uh, the church militant on earth, that is us, the church in waiting in purgatory, and the church triumphant in heaven, right behind us here in the studio. So those three, are, we are all participating with each other there at Mass. We are there with each other. I mean, that's revolutionary when you learn what the actual Mass is. So there's a reason why in the Roman Rite, the priest says, uh, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysologus, John, Paul, Cosmos, and Damien, all your saints. He's not just talking about them in thin air. And he has his hands over the host. He's talking to God. With Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian. It's, they're in front of you. They are with us. Literally. Some people say the Mass is dialogue between the priest and the people. That is wrong. The Mass is the dialogue between God and the priest. Who is offering the sacrifice to 
the Father. Just like Moses on Mount Sinai went up to the mountain, his dialogue wasn't with the people. His dialogue was directly with God as mediating on behalf of the people. Likewise, the priest solely during the Mass, he mediates to God, not us. I know sometimes liturgically we like to get involved, but really it is the priest's duty to mediate on behalf of the people. So that is what the Mass is. The Mass is the, if someone asks you in, in plain terms, it is the priest. It is a representation of the sacrifice on Calvary. Now, our Protestant brothers and sisters might pin us here and say, well, are you re-sacrificing Jesus? We say no. It is the representation. So it is literally that 2,000-year-old event. That's a, that's a divine event. It's alive. We're basically hopping in a time capsule going back 2,000 years ago. But we don't need a time capsule. Because our Lord offered that sacrifice, that's an eternal sacrifice. So we're going back 2,000 years ago and representing in an unbloody manner through the ministry of the priest to the Father. In that same sense that Jesus 2,000 years ago wiped away all sins forever, we go back to that sacrifice and draw from that sacrifice and offer it up to the Father. So just like in the Old Testament priesthood, we have the New Testament priesthood. So... They used to offer uh, bulls, rams, lambs, and they used to sprinkle the blood on the horns in the temple, on the altar, and on the people. Now we have the New Testament priesthood where we sprinkle with water. There is a parallel between the Old Testament priesthood and the New Testament priesthood. I've often heard of Jewish, um, Jewish people attending the Mass, and they, they immediately understand what's going on. They immediately understand the prayers that the priest says, for instance, at the Latin Mass, as the, at the extra, what I like to call the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite. There are two forms of the Roman Rite, the ordinary and the extraordinary. When you attend the extraordinary form, you have the prayers at the foot of the altar. I come unto the altar of God, to the God who giveth joy to my youth. And then the priest confesses his sins at the foot of the altar. Then is worthy to then say, Oremus. And then he goes up to the altar because he's confessed his sins. He's uh, you know, made a profession of faith, made an act of contrition to purify him, to enter into the sanctuary. To, to a Jew observing the, the Mass, they would see... That holy sacrifice, that the the parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know what we're doing now in the New Testament parallels from old. You know our faith, uh, you know, uh, did not come out of nowhere. It came out of the Old Testament. But contrary to what our Protestant brothers and sisters say, uh, say to us sometimes, is that this this these sacrifices of the Old Testament. You know, and the priesthood was the priesthood was not abrogated. We have a new priesthood. The error of Protestantism is that they threw out and said, "Oh well, Jesus Christ died on the cross for sins, and by His blood that sacrifice two thousand years ago, 
has wiped away our sins, fulfilled the Old Testament sacrifices, and he wiped away the priesthood. Any need for priesthood. That's wrong, brothers and sisters. If you read the early church fathers, which are uh, the first, let's say, three, uh, the, uh, the apostolic fathers themselves, the first few centuries of Christianity, and what, they were, uh, what, what the New Testament speaks about, it's very, very clear that they broke the bread. 1 Corinthians 11 speaks about the breaking of the bread. They, they knew that the Eucharist was the body, blood, soul, and the veil of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just a symbol. If you read the Didache, if you read uh, St. Clement's letter to the Corinthians, the third pope, if you read uh, St. Polycarp, St. Ignatius of Antioch, with, who, who, and there is a, a, a rumor where so possibly St. Ignatius of Antioch, first the, the bishop who succeeded St. Peter in Antioch as bishop, was that child that Jesus uh, put on his lap. There is, a, there is rumor, there are, there are some historical sources that indicate that. But really we understand now that, that by going to Mass, you are engaging in historically the representation of the sacrifice in Calvary with the church in heaven cosmologically, but through the power of the priest, we are gathering all of heaven, all of earth, as you can see behind me, those on earth and those in heaven and also those in purgatory, all united together cosmologically to offer up the holy sacrifice 2,000 years ago, that historical event, to the Father in remission of our sins. Now, obviously, it begins with readings, profession of, uh, confession of our sins, because we're living also the literal progression towards that sacrifice. The readings, obviously, the ministry of our Lord, and then finally, the of the Eucharist, where that sacrifice uh, uh, commenced was initiated at the Last Supper. It began at a supper, but it was it became that sacrifice. So, I think it's some powerful stuff here. And um, let's now take our break before we come back and we speak about a little bit about the ritual of the Mass. And we'll go straight into our three practical tools. Again, we aid you with practical solutions and get it back to Mass. So, stay tuned here. We'll be back shortly. My name is Father Damon Seifer. I'm a member of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, which is the Latin Mass Order. Our order has been ministering to the faithful in Western Sydney uh, for about 20 years now. But we think it's time for us to find our own place, to be able to build our own church. So we're really encouraging people to make donations, perhaps even dedicated to monthly donations, so that we can forged to take on perhaps a mortgage for this great endeavor. So we would like to, in the long term, build a traditional church for the celebration of the traditional liturgy in the Latin rite. We would encourage you to think about this, to pray about this, and see if God is calling you to commit to helping us with this great endeavor to build a new church for Western Sydney. My name is Father Damon Seifer. I'm a member of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, which is the Latin Mass Order. Our order has been ministering to the faithful in Western Sydney uh, for about 20 years now. 
But we think it's time for us to find our own place, to be able to build our own church. So we're really encouraging people to make donations, perhaps even dedicated to monthly donations, so that we can forge to take on perhaps a mortgage for this great endeavour. So we would like to, in the long term, build a traditional church for the celebration of the traditional liturgy in the Latin Rite. We would encourage you to think about this, to pray about this, and see if God is calling you to uh, commit to helping us with this great endeavour to build a new church for Western Sydney. Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh, here as we equip you with practical solutions to live your Catholic faith in our modern world today. We're continuing our discussion on the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The line is open for those who want to call in with their comments or questions. And the number is 9625 is for those domestic callers. And also, if you want to comment or email us, you can email us at thecatholictoolbox.gmail.com or you can comment in any of the Facebook Live sections being the Catholic Toolbox page, the Voice of Charity Australia, and also EWTN Asia Pacific. We are live now, so if you want to comment with your questions or comments, please feel free to do so. Okay, now we're going to continue with this. Let's now go into the, the ritual of the Mass. We spoke about what is the Mass, being the representation of the sacrifice on Calvary, fulfilling the Old Testament sacrifices with a new priesthood, and with the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, and the Mass being the representation of the sacrifice on Calvary, engages heaven, purgatory on earth, literally and cosmically, to offer up through the ministry of the priest the sacrifice to the Father. And the role of the priest is not just for the function of transubstantiation, but to actually offer and to speak immediately on behalf of the people. He's there to offer sacrifice to God. But the interesting thing is, the priest also acts in the place of Jesus Christ, who is that high priest. And it's phenomenal to think about. But let's now go into the, the, the rituals of the Mass. So, our operational process in the church is lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. How we pray is how we believe. We basically, basically what that's saying is, we practice what we preach. We don't just go off and uh, make decisions in the church for rituals, for pastoral decisions based on, oh, this is good for the people with no theological basis. What comes first, what we believe must be exercised operationally based on the theology and nothing else. And yeah, pastoral considerations come second. But the theology comes first. Faith conditions our actions first or our ritualization in the liturgy. Now let's go to Sacrosanctum Concilium, section, uh, paragraph, uh, section 36, and I quote, A particular law remaining in force, the use of the Latin language is to be preserved in the Latin rites. A sacred language. Latin is the language of the church, the universal church, which includes the Eastern churches. And Latin itself, liturgically, is the language of the Roman Rite and the Latin Church. Okay, now let's continue. Paragraph 116. 
is very clear in Sanctum, Sanctum Concilium. The Church acknowledges Gregorian chant as specifically suited to the Roman liturgy. Therefore, other things being equal, it should be given pride of place, princem locum obtinat, in liturgical services. But other kinds of sacred music, especially polyphony, are by no means excluded from the liturgical celebrations, so as long as they are in accord with the spiritual, spirit of the liturgy and liturgical action. So this is uh, another quote from Sanctum, Sanctum Concilium, the, the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy of the Second Vatican Council, which spoke about Latin being the language of the Roman Rite and the Latin Rite, and Gregorian chant as being the pride of place in terms of music in the liturgy. So, what we need to understand in those two, the reason I've mentioned those two, really, those, those two things, is because it's very important to understand that in the debate, sometimes after Vatican II, where they spoke about the new mass that was created and that came out of Vatican II as a product, and the, the mass of the ages, which was the mass of the, all the saints leading up to Vatican II and including after Vatican and now what we call the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite, which is back. So we have two forms in the Roman Rite, the ordinary form and the extraordinary form. And there is a debate that some rituals were taken out in the ordinary form, and, and then that is reality. For instance, the prayers at the foot of the altar, the reduction of the Latin language, the use of contemporary music rather than Gregorian chant, often sometimes doesn't assist us in expressing our theology, the theology of what the Mass really is. Remember, the Lex Credendi, what I just explained the Mass is. Now, if you're at a sacrifice 2,000 years ago, if you're at the representation of sacrifice, if you're at the foot of the cross of our Lord, would you have a guitar? Would you be playing your guitar at the at Golgotha? Would you be clapping? Would we be dancing? Or would we be reverently and, and, and contemplating the mystery that's occurring before us? Contemplation, brothers and sisters, I, I believe in myself and many of the saints, many of the doctors of the church, there is a reason those who are at great spiritual heights have opted for the more contemplative. For instance, I had a Greek Orthodox friend come with me to the Novus Ordo liturgy, the, the ordinary form, the New Rite Mass. And it was, it was actually quite funny because uh, he, he saw, you know, the contemporary music, the happy clappy sometimes. But... He then said to me, you guys actually believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, right? He didn't really see it there because perhaps we were emphasizing too much of the pastoral rather than the theology of the church through our rituals. So then I took him to the Latin Mass, the extra on reform of the Roman Rite. Then he saw something different, the reverence, Novus Order. Then he took seriously See, if the importance of ritual 
is vital, brothers and sisters. We have to understand that ritual is important. The way we express our faith is going to affect our spiritual life. If we're not using the right music, if we're not showing the reverence we are at Mass, we're not conditioning our spiritual life. So now, let's open the Catholic Toolbox and take out three practical tools on how to appreciate better the Mass. So let's go into our three practical tools for this week. And the first cop uh, practical tool for everybody here is to get a copy of the Missal and read the words of the Mass, the Roman Canon, study further the Mass, and, and really appreciate it. So let's start by getting a copy of the Missal. The Missal is basically the book which the priest reads from and anyone can participate with for the readings and all the prayers of the Mass in a book. So get a copy of the Missal, whether it be through apps such as Laudate, um, there's Sancta, Sancta Missa, I believe. There's, um, there's a few Catholic apps that actually have the liturgical prayer. So if you don't want to get the actual book, but what I recommend is to actually get the book or get a missalette, which just has the basic prayers and not the actual readings each week, just so you have the basic prayers. So you can actually study the words of the Mass. Because I think people just go to Mass every Sunday, but they don't know what's, what's being said. They never study the theology of what the words are that the priest is saying and, and studying the ramifications of what they mean. The priest's words need to become our words. So really, it, it is very important. When I first came back to the faith, I studied the Roman canon. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make a humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these holy and unblemished sacrifices. What does that mean? These holy and unblemished sacrifices. So we're, we're, the theology is, are we speaking about the gifts as sacrifices before they become the body and blood of Jesus Christ? There's some theology to study. Words that stuck out to me in the Roman canon were specifically, let's say, uh, accept uh, some prayer um, just as you accepted the gifts of your gift of your servant Abel the just. And the sacrifice of Abraham, Father in faith, and the offering of your high priest, Melchizedek. So the priest is speaking on behalf of the people to God, accept this, as if the same way you accepted uh, the gifts of your servant, Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham, our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest, Melchizedek. So we're offering the Eucharist. We're asking God, accept this, the same way you accepted it 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, thousands of years ago. So there's great theology to study by just reading the words of the Mass. Perhaps if you, you, don't, want to, you, you don't really follow the Roman rite, you follow Eastern rites or, or other rites of the church, then get a copy of your Missal. Read and study the words and actually understand. It's very important that we, uh, you know, we can't really do it during the Mass sometimes because we're actually praying. But outside the Mass, we can sit down and have a, a bit of a study on what the words actually mean and dissect them. So I think it's very important. That's the first practical tool. Let's go to practical tool number two, which is spend 10 minutes before and after Mass preparing and digesting the realities which will occur at Mass and visualize that reality as well. So... It's important before Mass to prepare yourself 
to understand what is about to happen. You know, if we take it seriously, we, we, we need to prepare ourselves. So I think 10 minutes before, 10 minutes after in your Thanksgiving prayer is very important because, you know, if we're about to participate with heaven, heaven's about to open up, uh, poetry's about to open up, we're about to go 2,000 years ago uh, uh, through the ministry of the priest, uh, uh, to offering sacrifice and covering, we need to prepare ourselves. It's important. So just like, you know, you, you go on a date, you prepare yourself. <laughs> you go on a mass, you got to prepare yourself. There's some important stuff happening. Important people there. Our Lord Jesus Christ. The saints. The angels. There's some important people there. So you better prepare or you get yourself ready. So I think that's a very important that we have to spend before and after. So take that to heart. And I try to do that as well. Now let's go to practical tool number three. Repeat prayers and make the prayers of the Mass your own during the day. Now the way I'm going to explain that is by saying that there, is, there are some ways to actually incorporate, like, let's say you wash your hands, you can remember the prayers of wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity and uh, cleanse me from my sin. Or if you see the sun, you can say uh, that may from the rising of the sun to its setting a pure sacrifice be offered to your name. There are, there are different ways which we can use some of the prayers from Mass into our day-to-day -day life and add them to our own prayers. I think it's important because it is the source and summit of our faith that we incorporate it on that personal level outside the Mass. And last, I'll give you a fourth practical tool this week. And that is attend Mass once during the weekday. So during the weekday, attend Mass at least once, one other time, so we can grow in our appreciation. Because basically, as a great priest once said, our spiritual lives revolve around when we last went to Mass. So your spiritual life now revolves from the last Mass you went to to the next Mass. It's a literal liturgical cosmological cycle. Because you're literally going to heaven and you come back down from Mass. That's the way to see it. And your spiritual life now, all the graces you receive, revolve around that Mass. And now, till you get to your next Mass. And go back up to heaven and back down. That's literally, if, if you were to draw a graph of our spiritual lives when we go to Mass, it'd be going up, then going slightly down, and then... You receive graces and obviously you keep them in between your next Mass and keep them as high as possible close to that Mass. So it'd be a spike, a little bit down, spike, your next Mass. All right, next morning you go to Mass, spike, a little bit down. That's the way to see it. So I think it is very important to, to take real note of that. <laughs> So look, as St. Josemaria Escriva himself said, and I quote, We must make an effort to live the Mass in calm and serenity with devotion and affection. And this is why I have always suspected that those who want the Mass to be over quickly, quickly, he says, show with this insensitive attitude that they have not yet realized what the sacrifice of the altar means. So after just explaining to everybody here tonight, 
what the mass actually is. I mean, the profound mystery of the mass. I think our why, as I mentioned before, should have grown by now. Our why should have grown. Why we need to go to mass, what the mass is, and therefore why I'm there. So these are powerful words by St. Josemaria himself. Where, you know, if you really look at these words, you know, to live the mass in calm and serenity with devotion and affection. So for those who want the mass to be over, don't have an appreciation, perhaps maybe examine yourself spiritually. You know, how will you sit in heaven if we cannot sit at mass? Really, because if we're taken up to heaven in a literal sense, we're participating with heaven. That's our... That's the closest we're going to get on this earth is through the mass. How will you survive heaven for all eternity? So there's a salvific question on whether or not you not wanting to attend mass, it puts our salvation at stake. So for the sake of your salvation, examine yourself and seek spiritual direction and come back and learn to appreciate the mass and grow closer and closer to it. I think I've covered a lot tonight, and it's a lot to really take in. And if you want to replay this, you can access via the podcast. You can go through by each sequence that I explain what the Mass is, and then the ritual of the Mass, and then now these four practical tools that I've given you to actually now, now you have no excuses. You have to go now and appreciate the Mass, take action with the theology I just explained to you, with the theory, with the ritual, and now I've given you four practical tools. It's time for us really to take action. So let's now close with a prayer from St. Jose Maria Escriva himself. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, enlighten my understanding to know your commands. Strengthen my heart against the walls of the enemy. Inflame my will. I have heard your voice and I do not want to be hardened my heart to resist by saying later tomorrow nunc cepi now lest there be no tomorrow for me O spirit of truth and wisdom spirit of understanding and counsel spirit of joy and peace i want what you want i want it because you want it i want it as you want it and i want it when you want it may god bless you all stay tuned here next week on the catholic toolbox until next week god bless take care and take action In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. Charity.